Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up earlier today with David Stein, who is the CEO of Kuya Silver Corp. They're chasing silver in Peru. If you want our thoughts and opinions on the conversation, their strategy, and the company itself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. We can also find detailed company reports. Uh, there are summaries of interviews that we have done just to save you a bit of time. There are training videos to help you with your diligence. There's commentary from market experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities. And of course, there's a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, safe environment, free from trolling and abuse. How nice is that? So that's cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. David, how are you doing, sir? I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm in full lockdown mode. I'll have you know. What about you? Uh, I we're on lockdown as well. I'm I'm just outside of uh, Toronto, and uh, Canada, and um, yeah, you know, it's uh, I'm here in my home office, so ready, <laughs> ready, oh, to, man. ready to go online. Come on, I, I kind of I was kind of hoping we get out, get through this 2020 thing and sort of onto a sort of new, new beginning, but maybe maybe we'll get there soon hey well dave thanks for joining us uh new story well your new story not just us but your new story full stop because you guys kind of started up uh last year so i'm really keen to hear what you're trying to do down in peru so why don't you kick off give us a one minute overview of the business for people new to the story like us and uh, i'll pick it up from there sure uh so kuya is a is a, a silver focused um mining uh company where we're developing a mine in peru so we we acquired the Bethania uh, silver mine. It was a it's mine that has produced uh, up until 2016. Currently on care and maintenance, and uh, you know undercapitalized private Peruvian mine. So our plan is to uh, invest um, some capital, make it bigger and better, and put it back into production. We're we're on track to do that. You know in in uh, uh, you know the next uh, year or so. Okay, fantastic. So. New story. Uh, silver. Were you just jumping on the bandwagon last year because silver was hot? Is that is that is that why you started it? No, um, actually, I I started uh, the company uh, in 2017, and and you know, in fact, uh, the silver price you know probably fell month over month for the first you know year or so of running the company, and uh, really uh, you know found this asset. And, uh, you know, felt like the, the grades were so high here that we could mine it at a low cost. And so the, the silver price down at, you know, $15, $16 didn't concern me that much at the time. And uh, we felt we could make, make good money doing that. And, uh, and, and you know, really, as, as someone who comes from an investing background myself, that's really always what I've been looking for is, is projects that can sort of pay, pay their own way. At, at, at lower prices. And then if we do get a bull run, which, you know, obviously prices have increased a lot since then, uh, then it's it's sort of gravy it's, or it's a bonus for for the shareholders. Okay, right. So you, you started your company in 2017, but you've been through a process at the beginning of last year towards the middle, of, well, and towards the middle of last year where you've um, picked up this Kuya asset. So, can you, we'll talk about the structure, the way that you did that and the, the financing around that, because you still got some outstanding payments for that. But can you tell me about you? I'm interested in always kind of back the team. Right? So I need to understand what's your background. You give us some clues, you're in finance, but you also got a ge geological background too. So where have you come from? What have you done? And have you made shareholders money before? 
Right. So I have uh, a technical background, as you mentioned, uh, so trained or in, in university as a geologist. And then I basically jumped right into um, the capital markets very early on in my career, in my, uh, you know, I guess, early to mid 20s. And uh, I worked actually as an equity analyst uh, my, covering mining companies for uh, nine years and started off uh, covering lots of junior companies. And I picked up the silver se sector back in the mid 2000s. And, uh, and then I eventually became a senior gold uh, analyst covering, you know, Barrick and Kinross and all these big companies. And then I, and then I basically went over and worked with a, with a merchant bank um, on, on uh, you know, what I would consider more the buy side doing investments. Um, and uh, it was quite an open structure. So we're doing royalties, we're doing loans, we're doing equi uh, public equity, we're doing private equity. As the uh, bear market in uh, in mining started to really set in, and in, in I guess 2012, 2013, I uh, focused started focusing more and more on private equity, uh, as I felt like that was a that was a, a, a better way at the time to sort of get good deals funded. And uh, so I spent quite you know a number of of years sort of I guess learning and about private equity in the mining sector, which is still a very new thing. And, uh, and then ultimately, uh, you know, went out on my own to start Kuya in 2017. So we, you know, found this asset, um, uh, arranged a deal to take, uh, to, uh, to acquire it in, in sort of a staged manner and an earn-in type joint venture uh, structure. And, uh, and then, um, you know, did that privately for almost three years and then took the company public uh, a few months ago. Okay. Okay. Let's come on to that in a second. I want, I want to stick with you. Okay. So you, yeah. you worked, you went to kind of, you did the kind of private equity component. So did I, so I kind of think I know what you've, what you've been through there, but what did you do while you were there? What are the successes that people should know about and what were you specifically focused on? Well, you know, I, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting because I would say in the whole, you know, sort of 20 ish years of my, of my career, I, I probably spent, 80 plus percent of it on precious metals. But, you know, during those years where, where I was doing private equity, we was really looking at all commodities. And, uh, you know, the, the last several deals that we, that we ended up, um, we're, we were actually able to do with my, with my predecessor previous firm. Um, the, 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 you know, one of them was actually a lithium deal, a lithium project that we acquired, 100% of, and then we ended up bringing in a, another party to joint venture with us, and then ended up selling it to them. Uh, so it, it actually was a was a was a huge win at the time. Um, this would be back in 2015. Uh, the project was in Argentina. Uh, I liked the project. I had known about it for a long time. Uh, you know, it sort of been on my radar screen uh, for a while. But I, I felt like in 2015 they were they were about to have a presidential election, and um, up until then, uh, Kirshner was making it very difficult for people to invest in, in Argentina. And I felt like regardless of who won that election, it would be better for investors. Um, and in the end, the actual, the, the, the better of the two candidates won, which was Macri. And, uh, and so we had a number of years there where it was sort of all, all go, all systems go on Argentina um, and uh, did very, very well on that. Um, on that, on, that, on that investment. Another, another deal I did around the same time, again, um, you know, private equity style was, it was a, a, a platinum 
project in South Africa, we ended up bringing in another European family office as a, a sort of essentially a 50-50 partner on that. Um, you know, that one uh, um, didn't go as well, frankly, because, um, um, you know, the, the various parties involved, um, uh, you know, didn't, I guess, weren't willing to wait long enough. Um, of course, if, if it still had it now, it would be, uh, you know, it would be uh, an amazing, I think, an amazing project. Um, but uh, in any case, uh, you know, had to sort of let that let that one go in the midst of a bear market. Right. So, yeah, time, timing is everything, right? Um, OK, so just so the skill sets that you're bringing to bear now are what? Deal construction, M&A, or is it the ability to run a mining company? Well, I mean, I, I think I picked up all of those things, to be honest, um, in, in my career to date. And, and uh, you know, um, uh, when you put together a deal, first and foremost, you have to be able to analyze the, the value and, 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 and essentially figure out a price, a fair price. That's not just the actual dollar values. It's also the, uh, the structure of how you're going to pay for it. Um, you know, and, and so, for example, uh, you know, a deal that you pay for $10 million over four years might be better than a deal that you pay for $6 million all, all, all on day one. So the structure and the actual, you know, the amounts all go into that analysis. And I think that's something that I've, you know, developed a, a very a strength in over my career now. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, sitting on boards, you know, basically being in the weeds with with being an active investor in companies um, has, uh, you know, I think given me a lot of insight into um, what to do, what not to do when you're running companies. Uh, and uh, and so um, uh, so I think that's that's really helped me. And then, frankly, you know, um, being the first guy in on Kuya, having my own money at risk has essentially been probably the best education of all uh, over, the, over the last number of years. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, you know, what I, what I didn't sort of pick up in, in the previous, you know, 15 or 17 years of my career, I've, I've picked up very quickly in the last three years. Yeah, it's amazing what having your own money does to sharpen the mind and the focus. Um, exactly. But, but talk to me about the analyst years, because they're, they're, you must have seen when you've done the junior uh, market, analysis, management teams at junior mining companies who just got it horribly wrong. You can learn from that. And people who've yep. got it right. So what are the things that you have taken from your experience in terms of, I need to bring this to bear with Kuya, okay? I need to not make those mistakes. I need to structure it this way because the market reacts better or I need to talk to the market this way because the market reacts better. What, what are the things, again, I'm just trying to understand because, you know, to me, you look quite young. You don't, you, you don't look old enough to be running a, a, a $100 million company. So what, what are you thinking about every day when you wake up about running this company? Uh, well, that, that's actually a, a, an excellent question. Um, I, I did learn a lot in those formative years of, of being an analyst. Um, and you know, what, what's really cool about being an analyst is, is you, you know, you get this exclusive access to talk to CEOs and, uh, you know, and, 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 and really, you know, you really get a lot of their time that the average, you know, person or investor wouldn't get. So, um, uh, so you can develop those relationships and, and you can learn a lot from that, both good and bad. 
Um, I guess what I what I would see. I mean, that's a it could be a very very long conversation. Um, you know, Dude, I, I, want, I, I don't I mind. Covered, I covered probably fifty or sixty companies over those over those nine years. But um, uh, I I have to say I do I do look back on those years uh, when I'm thinking about how I, how I put Kui together, um, and uh, uh, certainly some of the companies I covered back then are are models for me now. Um, you know, I'll give you an example, like first majestic, um, is a company, I believe I was the first guy to pick up coverage of back in 2005. Um, at the time they had a, a Mexican mine that was kind of undercapitalized, very similar to Bethania. Um, and, and, you know, their plan was to put it into production, get a public market valuation, bring additional capital to it, to expand, invest in exploration. And we're looking at doing the exact same thing. So it's that that kind of business model. It's not your typical junior mining business model, which is basically drill, 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 sell it to someone else. Uh, we actually want to build a mining company here. We we feel we can do that. We've got a good asset that's you know it's not like way too big that it, that you know that we can't uh, we can't handle it. Um, and uh, and and so we can actually be be making money, making real cash flow in this. In a relatively short time frame, and that's really the beauty of these high-grade silver deposits, which is the start of First Majestic, was the start of Fortuna Silver, was the start of Great Panther, um, and others and Endeavor. Um, you know, they really started with one high-grade silver mine. You know, be it in Mexico or Peru, even Pan American, which is before my time, but going back to the mid '90s, that's exactly how they started, and that's so. We're just following that kind of a model, and uh, I think we've got the first asset to do it. Right. Okay. So I'd agree with you. Um, being an analyst, you do get access to a lot of people, a lot of data. Mm-hmm. You can look at things and go where it's gone right, where it's gone wrong. So yeah, I like that. But tell me that. Here's the bit I'm interested in. So you know, you worked in a private equity shop, which would have had multiple investments, you know, um, across the board. Do you think situations like that allow you to be focused, um, or allow companies like that to be focused enough to be useful? Uh, to an investment, because again, we, we see situations where companies like that overstate their importance. They they misread their value in terms of running a company like you're doing now. Now, is, 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 do you feel that now you've got a much better, sharper focus on what you're trying to do than perhaps when you were working in private equity? Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the big differences to you know when you transition to running a company is is you need to become very very focused on your you know goals and your objectives of your company and and you know getting back to when I was an analyst, one thing that I did see that that's probably you know would be would be something that I would warn people against would be you know worry too much about what the other companies are doing. And, uh, you know, this guy has this valuation and, you know, it should be me and whatever, you know, what I'm really looking at doing is focusing on, we've got one, you know, flagship asset. We want to get it into production. We want to start making money and, you know, and then, and then we'll, the growth will come through both expanding our flagship asset, Bethania and other projects that we may look at, uh, already or in the future. But, um, but it's it's uh, you know it's really important to keep that focus because if if we can do that, there's a huge additional value that we can generate here, and it's far more than you know flittering around and you know sort of getting distracted. 
So tell me, and I don't mean to labor this point too much, but, you know, again, from your days in private equity, you know, I think there is there are many situations where perhaps they do. And I'm talking in dollar terms, intellectual terms, where they overvalue what they're bringing to the table, you know, and, and I think that means that, you know, shareholders perhaps lose out. Um, and I think that the company loses out because, you know, things don't happen the way that they should. I mean, what's your takeaway from your private equity days? I mean, and, and compared to what you're seeing now having to run a company and be focused on a company entirely? Well, I think the, you know, the first thing, you know, you need to learn is to be humble. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it, and, and I think that's, uh, you know, really that's, that's for me, that's, that's an innate, I guess, character trait and, uh, maybe a reason why I'm not doing private equity, uh, at this point in time. So, um, uh, so, uh, you know, I know that for me, you know, I, I put the company together, negotiated a deal in Peru, brought the money, uh, the early money to the table. Um, but then it was very important to sort of bring on a, a team to, to help me deliver this. And uh, until we went public, we, we really focused on the, um, basically building the team in Peru. Uh, and I've got an excellent, you know, lieutenant down there uh, who's really, uh, whose background is mining uh, engineering and or, or like metallurgical engineering, I should say, but he's an engineer. And um, his name's Christian Aramayo. Uh, and so... Uh, so he really runs the the Peruvian uh, technical side of things down there, and uh, and and you know with that team as a private company, we were able to although we were you know we were somewhat capital constrained for those three years, we were able to accomplish some great things, including uh, getting our EIA approved for the new plant and tailings that we're intending to build. So um, so to be able to do that as a private company was really you know a, a great. Um, uh, accomplishment led by Christian down in Peru. Uh, and, uh, and then as we've gone public now in the last few months, we're starting to build the corporate team here in Canada and we've got some, you know, brought on some excellent people for that as well. And I, I think that's really, that's really been, been key to the success. Okay. So we'll, um, look, th thanks, thanks for explaining, um, you know, the, the, your background, your ability, uh, your experience there. Can we talk about the asset now? Cause I, I'm keen to understand what it is that you've got there. Um, and as what, what you plan to do with it, but more importantly, how you structured it. So you don't mind kind of giving a little over a, a review of that. Sure. Uh, so it's a, it's a, it's a high grade silver mine that, that was in production, uh, up until 2016. Uh, you know, it's your, it's your, uh, in some ways, very typical Latin American, um, uh, undercapitalized, uh, mine run, run privately. Um, they actually made money when metal prices were high, um, you know, or started losing money as metal prices fell in, in the, you know, um, a number of years ago. And when we got, uh, when I first uh, looked at this project in, in 2017, it was kind of a, you know, a distressed or turnaround kind of situation where it needed some money immediately, uh, needed some money longer term to make it better. Um, but, uh, you know, really a great potential there. Um, the 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 uh, the secret sauce to this project is the very is the high grades and it's it's very high silver grades plus other uh, metals as well. So we we get a we get a high dollar per ton, but also uh, but uh, uh, but it is predominantly silver. Um, you know, sort of sixty to sixty five percent uh, by revenue, um, depending on the metal prices, of course, of the day. And 
Um, but we do have copper, gold, or sorry, uh, lead, zinc, copper, and gold as byproducts in, in this project. Um, and and because the grades are so high, um, you know, with re relatively small tonnage, you can make a meaningful production. Whether you look at it in terms of silver production, you know, millions of ounces, or whether you look at it as dollars of cash flow. Um, and and so uh, so we looked at it and and thought, okay, well, the capital that needs to be invested here, though, cr critically, is is going to be to build our own plant. So they had never been able to do that as a as a you know private entity. Um, and uh, so what that meant is that they had to toll mill their ore. So the entire history of this mine has, they've been toll milling at various other lead zinc mines in the area, which are pretty common in central Peru. And, but you always get, you know, kind of, uh, that cuts into your margin quite heavily, whether it's the trucking cost to get it there, or whether it's the toll milling fees or the loss of recovery when you're using someone else's plant. Um, you, you sort of lose at least three different ways there and you can solve those problems by having your own plant. So we're, we're doing that right now. We started permitting it back a couple of years ago. And, and so that's when I mentioned we, we have the EIA, which is by far the most important and the most difficult permit to get. We got that last August. Uh, and, uh, and so now we're well on the way, um, to, uh, to, uh, to that sort of construction um, I guess, uh, period where we can start, um, investing in the, in, in the, in the shovels in the ground and, and get this thing up and running by, you know, 2022. Right. So you raised what, 13 million bucks back in, when was that? October-ish? Correct. That right. Was, okay. uh, we closed it in July. Right. Okay. So, so use of proceeds. I mean, how, how does that money get applied this year? Are you going to need to go back to market? Because you know, you're, talk, you're talking the language of getting into production. We're going to get into production. We, we, we've we've done. Yeah. We're having that discussion rather than drill results. Drill results. You know, those headline grabbing, high grade numbers that some market, yeah. that the market least likes to see occasionally. So, you're very clear. You're a development company that's moving into production. That's what you want to be seen as. Right. Can you do that for 13 million bucks? Right. So the 13 million that we raised was largely to fit, to close that acquisition of the mine. So when we had gone public back in October, we still uh, we still uh, essentially owed uh, qu uh, quite a bit, um, uh, four million US for the mine. Um, and so uh, you know a good chunk of that money that we raised went to pay off uh, the remaining. Uh, essentially money to acquire the mine. So we did that, um, that closed in December. Uh, then with, with it, me, with the rest of the money or meanwhile, what we're doing is, is we're, we're doing a drill program, uh, which, uh, to sort of give us greater confidence on the, on the existing, uh, you know, uh, non 43 101 resource, the resource that we inherited at the mine from the, from the private mining company. Uh, we want to do some work on that. So there's, you know, probably a million, million and a half that's going to go into that. Uh, we're finishing the detailed engineering as well. We're, we, we've, uh, we've hired, uh, mining plus to do the underground, um, design part of that detailed engineering as well as to put together a PEA for us. Um, so that will, you know, allow us to essentially do, you know, better communicate with the market once, once we, uh, once we complete that. Uh, and, and so all, all of those things are really, it's all the pre-construction stuff that, that gets covered under that 13 million, I guess. And then we will, um, you know, the, the, the capex that we've been estimating is, is around 10 million US. So it's not, 
really, you know, what I consider material. I mean, obviously it's, it is, it's still $10 million, but, um, it's not something that I feel like we'll have trouble raising when, when the, you know, when we decide to do that. So, uh, so I think, um, that's, uh, that's something that we will tackle at some point in 2021. And, um, you know, obviously, uh, the, you know, we don't want to wait too long because we do want to get this, get the shovels in the ground and get this thing built by the end of the year. So how much money have you raised prior to that 13 million in, in total? We raised about four US as a private company. Um, so yeah, and the 13 million was Canadian. So you know, put it in Canadian terms, I guess we raised about 18 ish. Yeah. 18, 19 up, uh, up until today. Yeah. 100 million market cap, not too shabby. This is probably the, the, the best way of doing it, isn't it? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's worked out. I mean, uh, so far, but you know, we go, we have, we have a long way to go with, uh, with building the mine. And, you know, I think if, if you look at the, some of the silver miners that are, you know, public companies, uh, their valuations are way, way higher than ours. So, you know, we, that's who we're aspiring to be, um, with building the Fanny mine, getting, you know, the profitable production from that, uh, next year. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, I think if we, if we can do that, then there's still huge gains to be had. Right. Okay. So you've, you've hired, uh, Mining Plus to do the PEA. That's, and you're going to have to do some drilling along, alongside of that to like understand the numbers properly. And by that, you mean what, some infill drilling? I mean, what are you, what are you after? What are you looking to reaffirm? Um, yeah, I guess I would call the majority of what we're going to do infill drilling. Um, you know, we have this, uh, database, um, uh, that we that we inherited from the from the underground production uh, that is quite good. It's it's uh, thousands of samples taken underground in all the various veins that have been mined and and you know all of which still have ore or you know maybe I'm not allowed to say ore but all of, all of which still have mineralization there. Um, so uh, so it's something that you know that as a as a as an investor myself um, and someone with the technical background, I was very comfortable in investing in this project. Um, knowing that we had all that data from underground available to us to figure out where the veins were existed and where they were going. Um, the drilling is going to add to that. It's going to give us more confidence. Um, and at the same time, what we'll do is we will do a, a 43-1-1 report resource estimation. That's not Mining Plus's mandate. That will be uh, someone else's. Um, and, and, uh, and then, and then mining plus will use that information and put it, put it all together in the mine plan and the PEA. Right. Okay. So what, what do you think, what do you know versus what do you think you've actually got there? Cause you're going to go and raise 10 million bucks. You're probably right in this environment. It shouldn't be too hard a conversation to have. Um, but you've got to talk to them about what it is that you've got and what you're going to be doing. So can you just sort of lay out what the next couple of years looks like in, in your head? Sure. So, I mean, first of all, in terms of what we have, the, the asset, what we know about it, um, you know, if, if we did a 43-101 um, technical report last year, so before we went public, and, and that is available for anyone to, to read who, who's interested. And in that, you'll see the historical resource that is not 43-101 compliant, but it is uh, 8.3 million ounces. Um, some of which they considered reserves because the, the, uh, the you know, the previous uh, owners considered reserves because they had done development on essentially on all sides of, of a stope ready to ready to essentially to mine it. Um, and uh, at our, you know, 350 ton per day rate that we've permitted, um, that would give us about a four year mine life producing 
about two million ounces a year at the at the you know at the expected head grades. Right. Okay. No, none of that. That's all management estimates, of course. None of that is in you know in any forty three one hundred one as of yet. But that will all come in the coming months as we do this resource estimate, as we do the the PEA. Then we'll be able to better talk about the the production potential of of Bethania. And, uh, and so that will really be the phase one. Um, and that, that's the, that's the, uh, the plant and, and that we want to build. That's the production profile we expect to have when we, when we go into production. And then from there, you know, the, 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 the more sort of optimistic or the, the upside scenario for us then will be to keep drilling, make our resource at, at Bethania even bigger. Um, and there is, absolutely you know huge potential for that it just needs to be there just needs to be some methodical drilling done to extend the veins at depth and a long strike um so it's kind of we know where to go it's just a matter of doing it and uh when we do that then we can start thinking about expanding the plant again uh and and making the production profile uh bigger sort of a, a phase two uh, and that's something that we definitely have in our sights for Bethania in in the you know in the next few years Okay, so help me understand the model because if, if you're you're an ex analyst, I'm an ex analyst. If someone came and talked to me about a four year life of mine, I'm like, oh, d- do I carry on this conversation? Yeah. So, what is it? What is your business strategy? What's the plan here? Is it just get going, get some cash flowing, and that'll fund phase two, or if you, is there some yeah. other way that you're approaching this? So, I mean, first of all, I should I should say that, you know, as someone who has a geological and technical background for myself, I don't live and breathe what's in a 43101. Uh, and I realize that as as you know, if you're a layperson and you you need, you know, you, you don't you're not an expert in the field, you rely heavily on those. But when I look at this, I look at a project that um, you know, yes has has a four-year mine life right now but has it's very easy in my opinion to make it much bigger you know to make it 10 or 12 years just by drilling a long strike and at depth it's very different than saying i I have a four-year mine life i have no idea where the ore is after that well that's not the case in bethania we know where the ore is after that again it just it needs to be drilled out so uh so that to me, you know, gives me a lot of confidence that we're going to be there in this mine for a very, very long time. The question is, are, are we going to expand production or not? That's really the, the question. Um, or do we just run it, you know, at 2 million ounces a year for the next 10 or 12 years, uh, maybe longer. So, so that's, that's sort of what, what we have there. And that's, that's the, the business model um, for, for, the, for the first phase. My feeling is that we are going to end up expanding it, not only because we've got a lot of potential at the Bethania site itself, where the mine is located, but also the region is very interesting. And we have other bigger property land packages in the area nearby the mine. So the opportunity to find satellite deposits as well is, is I think, quite high. Now, that's something we'll be doing in the longer term. But we expect to be there in the longer term. So, uh, so you know, one or more satellite deposits could bump up our tonnage, and then you know, ju- we we might justify an expansion that way as well, um, as well as just making Bethania the the current deposit bigger. So, uh, there's sort of a number of ways that we can grow this, which to me, as you know, as an analyst, that's 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 good. That that gives us multiple avenues to increase value. And uh, to to make this uh, this project bigger and better and and than it is right now. Okay, I mean, 
you asked my second question for me, which which was you know the the throughput of seven hundred fifty ton a day, again is kind of at the at the lower end of where you'd want to be. Um, but it, it's fine in the sense that it's small but perfectly formed. But it, it informs us as to how you're going about doing this. So and I do buy your argument that you will do infill drilling and you will expand resource at, at long strike at depth. You know who knows you, you you've, you've got to do that through the drill bit, but. For investors, you're saying, well, this is going to be the least dilutive way of us developing this into something bigger, which is great. But at the same time, that's going to take time because you're going to have to reinvest your dollars back in the ground. So it's a kind of catch-22, isn't it? Um, you know, I mean, at, at the end of the day, I think you 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 have to look at what the deposit is giving you as well. It's It's not just purely a capital decision. Um, in our case, we, we have this, you know, relatively easy or simple geological model here with these veins. They're all kind of sub parallel to one another, which means they're going in the same direction. Um, they're all kind of in a swarm relatively close together. So you can access multiple veins from the same tunnels underground. So we've got a lot of things going for us, which, you know, to me, I, I really, I really see, the opportunity to get into production quicker, which you're right, that means we're making money. That means we can reinvest that cash flow in exploration, and it is less dilutive for for us in the in the longer run. Um, so, so it's both, I think, a factor of what our business model is, sort of following that, you know, you know, first majestic kind of model, business model, or Pan American in the early days business model of of starting with small production and then using. You know your your sort of uh, your your capital to grow, um, acquire other assets long in in the longer term, etc., and and sort of you know build into a into a multi mine company that way. I think that's all stuff that we can do, and we're in a much better position, a much stronger position to do that if we're already making money, versus at the whims of the markets on any given day to to raise more capital. Okay, Peru, are you going to be okay doing business this year? I mean, how are things in South? Uh, America with regards to COVID restrictions and the ability to um, plan out your mining? Well, I mean, one thing that we've seen in Peru is Peru, you know, when they did a they did a very strict lockdown uh, back in March, actually, when, you know, when when COVID sort of hit us all in the world at the same more or less at the same time. Uh, and then they lifted the restrictions in, in particular for the mining industry quite soon after that. They really realized that, you know, crap, we need the mining industry going. It's a huge generator of taxes, of employment, of, you know, all sorts of other benefits. Um, and it's, it's a, you know, it's the biggest uh, industry in, in Peru. So, um, so they were, you know, they sort of bent over backwards, I would say, to get the mining industry back going, uh, despite the, you know, the the uh, issues of COVID. Um, and and I think the way they did it was pretty smart. They sort of let the, the big companies, the giant companies like the Rio Tintos and the Glencores and stuff sort of <laughs> pave the way for everyone else and, and let them open first. And then, but now everybody's open. So, uh so, you know, I, I think, hey, like everywhere else, there's going to be new health and safety protocols. And there are there are new health and safety protocols we need to follow in Peru. And we're we're on top of that. Uh, so as we start to reactivate the site now, right now, which is which we're doing in January here for uh, for drilling, uh, we have to follow those protocols. We have to prove, you know, to the government that we're doing the right things. And uh, and that is all happening. But, I, you know, my feeling is it's not going to really prevent us from doing anything this year. 
Um, yes, we do have to change the way we're building our camp, for example, you know, um, but, uh, but it's not going to, it's not really going to slow us down in any way, unless there's a big outbreak again or something like that, which, which, you know, which I guess none of us can, can really predict. But, um, you know, the good thing right now is Peru's actually, you know, most of Peru's in their summer period and, and that seasonal effect of COVID does seem to play a big role there. So just like we in the Northern hemisphere saw our numbers uh, drop over the summer period, they're seeing that now in Peru right now. So their, their uh, COVID, which was the, one of the worst in the world a few months ago is now drastically improved. And, uh, and then hopefully that, that combination of the, of the, you know, natural improvement that they're seeing in Peru with the vaccine hopefully means that that uh, that they won't get caught again in the next winter with uh, with rising cases. Okay. Okay. Um, and and increased restrictions for us, I guess, is, is the, yeah, the well, important. There you go. Yeah. I mean, you, you've kind of detailed, you know, how you've gone about stru- structuring this deal in terms of, you know, with Marymount Resources and the, and the Kia Silver Corporation, etc. So I think that, that that's kind of well understood. And I think it's a good deal. You've, you've picked up an, a, a good asset, very inexpensively. So I think that's, you know, that's good news. Um, mm-hmm. Can you talk to me about how you manage your costs going forward? Because another part of the loan, when we we're talking about lessons from, from you know, previous uh, experiences, how do you keep your costs low at this point? I mean, how do you manage your GNA? How do you remunerate yourself? Well, um, I think that, you know, being a big investor in the company myself um, plays a big impact to how I look at, you know, GNA. Um, you know, I, I think uh, we've been very, very frugal uh, as a company up, up until up until now. Um, to some degree, we're forced into frugality with COVID nineteen. You know, you can't <laughs> you can't do a lot of things that uh, that that cost a lot of GNA money uh, right now. That that you know, other companies would probably normally be doing or a lot of public companies would be doing it's definitely more expensive to be public though there's no there's no way around that um but we, you know we felt that was that was a cost worth worth taking and and i think you know i think it has been um but you know we're just trying to manage that the the best that we can we do need to ultimately uh hire you know some more people um we we've sort of come into this with with a, a very lean management team um, you know, only a few key people down in Peru, a few key people in, in, uh, in, uh, Canada. Uh, so we will, we will grow it, but, you know, I, I guess at the end of the day, you know, um, uh, you know, being an investor myself and, and understanding how hard it has been to, you know, raise every dollar up until this point, um, I'm not going to take that for granted when, uh, when we do make those hiring decisions, when we do make the decisions about, uh, you know, I guess other overheads that we may or may not need to take in the future. Um, so, I mean, we're we're in a we're in a great position right now, and you know, I I don't I don't kind of see us spoiling that by getting all, you know, sort of crazy with a lot of with a lot of expenses going forward. Okay. So, how many shares do you have, and what percentage of the company do you own? Uh, so, I own about twenty five percent. Wow. Yeah, that's very good. And are you paying yourself well though? Uh, so I'm on 235 Canadian a year, and then everyone else would be, you know, I guess lower than that, okay. depending on their position. Okay, fine. 
Um, okay, so 2021, what are we going to hear? If I speak to you this time next year or the end of next uh, uh, 21, what will you have achieved? Well, I, I mean, hopefully we're, we've achieved a lot because we have a lot of, and we've got very ambitious plans for 2021. Um, you know, first first thing is going to be the the drill program and the resource estimate 43101. Um, at, at this, uh, you know, the same time we want to finish permitting, uh, you know, finish our sort of our project financing for the for the plant and tailings or the expansion project, whatever form that may take, uh, and then get that um, essentially uh, constructed over the, you know, second half or the, you know, the 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 maybe the the, the final nine months of the year. Um, I think there'll be something going on in terms of in terms of building that. It's it's a quick build because it is a relatively you know small project. Frankly, um, we are able to build it really quickly. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, I, I expect uh, the bulk of that action will be happening in the middle to later in in 2021. Um, and uh, and then you know at the same time we have we have sort of picked up a, a you know a secondary project for us. Um, you know, I don't expect it to be a big focus, um, but we've uh, we're uh, we're in the process of of, uh, of making an acquisition in Canada with a, a silver dominated project in Ontario. Um, so uh, um, it's basically the historical cobalt area, cobalt Ontario, which has been a you know was a historical silver producer from the early 1900s all the way up to the 80s, uh, and then basically been you know been left more or less untouched since then. So we we have some ideas to go back there and 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 we think there's potential for a you know kind of a Bethania style believe it or not small high grade mine um, and that we can start small produce a few million ounces of silver there per year and then and then grow just like we're trying we're just what, like we're looking to do in Peru basically repeat that model in 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 Canada so uh, so we've got a, an earlier stage project there. Um, so we'll, we'll make some headway there as well. That, that would be, that would be another goal for 2021, um, to, uh, to, to, you know, to build a, a resource by the end of the year, uh, somewhere on that property. And, uh, yeah, so I think that's, you know, that, that's, that, that's going to keep us very busy. That's fantastic. Okay. Um, yeah, maybe we should talk about that again. I hope we don't wait till the end of next year, uh, this year, uh, to talk about it, because I mean, that, that's interesting, because I think m and seems to be um, happening a lot. There's a lot of big M&A happening, but at the smaller end too, I guess there's some deals to be had. And if, you, if you're picking it up at the kind of prices that you've managed to, um, to, to you know, to, uh, to, to pick this up at, I mean, yeah, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be great day at the office. Well, look, um, David, look, thanks very much. I mean, lovely run through. Nice to meet you, first of all. Thank you. Um, and also, I do appreciate you running through this this new story. Um, you know, I know you're starting to get it out there uh, now. Um, what's what's your take on the silver market at the moment? Is, is it going to sustain for 21? Uh, I, I think it has a lot to do with what, you know, actually happens in the U.S. in the next few days. Um, you know, I think the... Uh, the, the bullishness that we've seen with the uh, with the gold and silver price is is a lot to do with the expectation for an increased stimulus, and essentially, you know, the the money printing presses in the U.S. continuing to to go go hard, um, and uh, so so I think we'll, we'll you know we'll we'll have to see what happens there. I think in the longer run, it's one of these things that's inevitable, but in the shorter run, you know, um, if uh, 
uh, you know, there, there could be, there, you know, may, we might have to, we might, we might have gold and silver check back, I guess, if, if the wrong things happen over the next couple of days in the U.S. Um, I think that's still very, very, what happens in the U.S. is still very, very important to the precious metals markets um, because we do sort of price these metals in U.S. dollar terms. Um, but, uh, you know, but uh, uh, so, so that, you know, that's, that's my, that's my take on it. I'm longer term bullish. And, and by the way, I really, uh, you know, uh, when I look at the silver price, I really look at gold, you know, and, 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 and I see them just, you know, moving more or less together. Um, I, I, I don't see a tremendous difference. I don't expect one to go, go in a different direction than the other. If gold goes up, silver will go up more because it's a smaller market. It's the higher beta play on the, basically the same fundamental principles uh, and, and the reverse, obviously, on, on the downside. So, um, so you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that, we, that we've, we've got, you know, $30 silver in, in, in the next, uh, in, in 2021. Um, I definitely see that that could happen, but you know, it, I wouldn't be surprised if it if it's uh, maybe a few dollars lower as well. It's it, it's it's not going to dramatically affect our business plan at Kuya, um, but uh, uh, but obviously there there's that potential there, and and will benefit if prices go up for sure. Yeah, I, I think interesting times. I, I'm a little bit more bullish on on whatever happens in the next few days in, in Georgia and elsewhere, and on the twentieth. I think most people be listening to my show would be surprised uh, to, to hear me say that, but I think gold and silver will continue to rise. I think it will be less meteoric, but it will continue to steadily grow for sure. Well, um, David, I appreciate your time today. I know you've got places to be. Uh, thank you again for coming on the show, and we hope to speak to you soon. Okay, sounds great. Uh, thanks for doing this. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast? or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.